Podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week I have again selected an episode that is not from the golden age of radio. From the BBC series Spine Chillers, I have chosen this episode entitled Dracula in White. Originally broadcast on BBC4 in March of 1984, which I still maintain is not that long ago. (laughs) What do we know about spine chillers? Not much. This episode was written by Peter Redgrove and directed by Brian Miller. It was the fourth of five episodes. Each episode was an original story written by a different author and recorded with a different director. But beyond the credits of individual episodes, there didn't seem to be any information out there about who put the show together originally or what guiding principles shaped the program. These details have been apparently lost in the more than 30 years that have passed since the show was broadcast. More than 30 years, Tim. Oh, 30 years. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices. Darling, but it's not criminal. Hey, your customers mightn't agree, Sam. It's what I tell them that matters to the law. So long as they don't actually say the article's old, I'm okay. Show you something. Uh, promise not to put it on TV. Promise. Could show that of yours, Joanna, today's world. Here's something from yesterday's world, maybe. Oh, a beautiful ceramic beetle. An old Egyptian scarab, still with the traces of the original blue paint. Was it part of a necklace? There are holes drilled. Um, 2000 BC? Last Wednesday, Joanna. (laughs) Oh, you old crook. I made it last week. In my little old kiln here. Now, here's another one. Oh, that's obviously new. Freshly painted, bright as a child's new toy... The lines of the other were blurred, beautifully, as by the friction of centuries of desert sand. Same batch. Difference being that I took the old ones down to the farm and fed them to the turkeys. The Christmas turkeys? Then my boy scratched the scarabs out of the turkey litter. (laughs) The grinding in the bird's crop had centuries. We call it in the trade distressing antics. Distressing? How quaint. Uh, But is distress illegal? Not so long as I don't claim nothing. Everything in this shop was made sometime this year. All of it by pals of mine, ex-cons. You see, they taught us trades in prison to help us when we got out. I did modelling, 
iron ceramics and turkey farming. Mates of mine learned uh, carpentry, cabinet making, welding. The old firm. Class of 82. Here's a nice little bureau. Ah, I think I know this kind. Doesn't it have, um, uh, just here, a secret drawer? Yes. And look, Sam, with a little book in it. A diary, a girl's diary. The date, uh, 1789. In lovely old copper plate, it's even faded. They fall for that one like a ton of bricks. <laughs> now, who's the cook, I ask myself, when the punter pushes the drawer back and says nothing? Let them find a secret drawer you didn't notice with something nice in it they're not going to tell you about, and you can name your own price. Ah. I've got a room of bureaus at the farm just like this. All with diaries and secret drawers. You make it sound quite fun. Class of 82 and the rest. I'd die before I went back inside. Well, you made something out of it. Hundreds don't. Prison ages or so. In a way, that gave me the idea of going into the antique trade. You hear about the prisoner's distress when he was sentenced. Not just a figure of speech, apparently. Prison wears you out. That's the real punishment. It ages you. It's the time stretching out, the slowness of everything, the rules, all the rules. They make you feel so old. They age you 20 years in five. You can't move without them. When to walk, when to stand still, how to lace your shoes, lay out your clothes, time of exercise, time of association, so many minutes this. So many minutes that. You have to think out every move in case you've broken a rule. In prison, nothing happens of itself. Like an old man who can't trust his legs, has to think out every step. His body has betrayed him. No, I'm not going back inside, ever. And prison's got worse. It's changing. It's got dangerous. But not in the old way, when the big villains ruled absolutely and you had to mind your peace and cues with them. Something's happening in stir, and none of us like it. Something the government is doing. The government is changing the prisons? I've heard nothing about that. They built these immense factory wings for canning meat. Now, instead of the old trade, you can learn how to be a butcher. Hmm? And some of the prisoners disappear. <laughs> how can a person disappear in prison of all places? Special delivery, Mr. Mellish. Heavy, this one. Ah, thanks, Jolly. Here you are, Joanna. See you, mate. Oh, splendid. Muzzle-loading pistol. Octagonal steel barrel. Wonderful wriggle-work engraving. Style of Nelson's time. In working order, I'd say. And brand new. Crafted in its beauty by a boy who knew nothing but motors before he got pinched for driving other people's away. <laughs> You're going to distress that lovely new pistol. What a pity. It takes really modern equipment to add the patina of age and romance. Now, this is a sonic device they invented for aging wine artificially. You drive this beam of sound vibration into your wine that was bottled yesterday and is 20 years old in 10 minutes. The vibration seems somehow to check the pieces. 
that in wine that releases the flavours. With a bit of extra power in it, it works on antiques. I put the pistol inside, and in half a day, it'll be two centuries old and ten times as romantic. They're very popular. So long as you don't say how old it isn't. Now, about those disappearing prisoners... The Home Secretary is aware that there are at present lodged in British prisons 43,311 convicts. But is the House aware of the charge to the nation of this prison population? The average cost of maintaining a prisoner dry and warm and with sufficient food and clothing is no less than 202 pounds per week, including maintenance of the buildings. I will save the honourable members the task of calculating the yearly cost of this to the taxpayer. It is 10,507 pounds per year per prisoner. Now that is to say that our convicted criminals, the enemies of our society, are living at a rate far above the national average wage and, indeed, at a rate that would keep your ordinary deserving family in some luxury. As a country, we are spending £455 million per year on the outcasts of our society. I would ask the Home Secretary what practical steps are being taken to reduce this load on the budget. Are radical and less expensive alternatives to prison being investigated? Weekend jail and daytime prison would immediately cut this cost and would begin to minimize this drain on our national resources. And I, I am able to reassure the House and the Honorable Member for East Grinstock that active steps are being taken. Uh, does not seem to me to be sufficient reassurance. Will the Home Secretary outline these steps? Uh, well, that, 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 that cannot be done at this moment in time as the matter affects uh, national security. Well, Joanna, I asked your question in the house for you. I'm beginning to smell a cover-up, Toby. The news how nostrils twitch. But what can you do about it? If the Home Secretary says national security nowadays, he has almost unlimited powers of concealment. Well, there's a nasty, a very nasty smell here. What could be going on inside the prisons that frighten so my old grass Sam Mellish? And whatever could make it a high security risk into the bargain? I'm beginning to remember the Nazis. The medical experiments in the concentration camps. Why turn prisons into factories for canning meat? Well, Joe, I know. I really don't it's think no, it is. it's not impossible. The Americans have used prisoners as guinea pigs and worse before this. In exchange for permission to experiment, they get remission of sentence or parole. Organize that and you've got Auschwitz all over again. Sam tells me that long-term prisoners are disappearing out of the prisons by some kind of arrangement with the authorities. They're called into the governor's office and are never heard of again. Then their families move and turn up somewhere else where they're not known and buy a bright new bungalow as if they've suddenly come into money. But the offender himself, he never turns up. <laughs> <laughs> 
They've relocated him in exchange for information to get him away from possible revenge. Yes, but what happens to him? And is ordinary police information a matter of national security? I've told you, Joanna, there's nothing I can do. But I can. I can put it on TV. What use is an investigative program like today's world if it doesn't alert its viewers to dangerous trends in society? Well, I'll have you in stir yourself very promptly if you break national security. Well, that's a risk I'll have to take. No government is above the law. But supposing they're infecting prisoners with terrible diseases in exchange for privileges, or experimenting with forms of radiation. Oh, really, Joe? Well, it could be recombinant DNA work, cloning, the invention of new germs using human hereditary material, anything. In a democracy, we have a right to know. I love you in this formidable mood, Joanna. I wish we'd married after all. Oh, yes. And me fully occupied in bringing up little parliamentary candidates. <laughs> Look, Toby, I've had my own TV program two years now, and I reckon it's done some good. Children can wait. Can they? Really? Well, sometimes I think the whole world is like children squabbling. Nursery politics. That's no way to think of the electorate. My public's a strong, faithful animal. Slow-moving, maybe, but in its wrath and its love, terrible. An elephant, maybe. No, its memory's too short. Sometimes it seems like a kind of snake that swallows you and squeezes you out of shape. You're getting cynical, Toby. But I'm not. I'm going to do something. First move? I'm going to visit one of those resettled prisoners' families. But I still can't understand about those canning factories. Yeah? Oh, good morning, Mrs. Pettit. Uh, we haven't met, but, um... My husband's not here. It's you I wanted to talk to. <sighs> I know who you are. Joanna Prim, from the telly. Ron and me, we, we always watch on Saturdays. You look different somehow. We're not on the telly now, are we? No, Mrs. Pettit, this isn't game for a laugh. Oh, that's a relief, anyhow. Can I, uh, come in for a moment? Oh, yes, of course you can. Uh, please give the state the house is in. Come into the front room. Our, um... Well, Grandad's watching the telly, but you won't mind, will you? I'll turn the sound off. He'll be quite happy watching the pictures. It makes no difference to him. He doesn't really care whether it's on or off. But it's such a business moving him since he can't help himself. Oh, no, Mrs. Pettit, please. The kitchen will be fine. Well, I'll put the kettle on. Uh, would, would you like a sandwich? I've, I've got a new kind of canned meat here. It's, it's very nice. That's why I want to tell the story on television, from the family's point of view. I see. You mean, he wouldn't come into it? He's still inside, of course. Well, yes, I know, but... Which prison is it? Well, he's not exactly in prison. Where is he, then? No, not, not exactly. It's, um... Secret? Uh, sort of, yes. So, sort of experimental. How do you mean, Experimental. I mustn't say. Where is your husband, Mrs. Pettit? I signed a paper. They said I'd be in jail ten years if I told. I can't do that. Who'd look after... Grandad? You're asking the impossible. I think you'd better go now, Miss Prim. It's a very nice house you've got here, Mrs. Pettit. Who's paying? All the bullion was recovered. 
What do you live on now, Mrs. Pettit? There was an arrangement. Please go. Please go now. Ron. Ron. Ron! Yeah, what is it, love? I'm watching the boxing. Hey? Well, well, I never, Joanna Prim. Hey, hey, Peg, you've not been talking to her. She's the woman on today's world. This is my friend, Ron, Miss Prim. He wants you to leave now. Then leave I shall. What have you got for me, Sam? Well, the word is that the big boys are getting restive. They want to know what's going on, too. They like the prisons to be predictable. After all, a lot of their boys live there, and they like them to do time in reasonable comfort. Mm. But suddenly the prisons have become restive and unsettled, and nobody knows quite why. I was told that we'd get some quiet help if we wanted to find out. Oh, that's good news. It's the two unexplained things together that worry everybody, I suppose. There's nothing a con dislikes more than feeling he's being conned. It's against the natural order of things. Firstly, the disappearing prisoners. Nobody knows what happens after that summons into the governor's office. Mm. The con's never seen again. His things are quietly collected from his cell. And the other thing is those canning wings built onto the prisons. It's a bit gruesome, but I don't actually see anything wrong with that. After all, you can learn carpentry inside. This is simply another trade to help you when you get out. How to cut up meat, how to be a butcher, how to work a canning machine. It feels wrong. Why? Well, they bring in outsiders for part of the process. Outsiders? There's some kind of inner room where the meat is actually killed. It's forbidden for cons to go in there, and sections of carcass are passed out. There's something not quite right about the carcasses, either. What sort of something? Well, they're sort of even, all the same, standard. No legs or heads or haunches, just ribs and backs, shoulders, bellies, just torsos. And nobody has ever seen live cattle delivered. Only lorries with sacks of chemicals. The cons have made a whole lot of jokes about it. And this means they're really worried. Jokes for survival. Exactly. They say that doing time has got so expensive that the taxpayer's going to have to save money by canning and eating the convicts. Oh, dear. They say that the judge in future is going to give you your sentence, not in years, but in hands and finger joints. And for very serious offences, they'll take an arm or leg, or even two legs. And that helps security, you see, since you can't run away if they've eaten your legs. <laughs> and they say that if you make that deal with the governor, they take the whole of you and turn you into pet food neatly canned. There's more. More to worry about? Yep. If it's just a canning factory and slaughterhouse, why do they need radioactivity? What? There are red radiation danger signs and special airlocks and people going about in white radiation suits with helmets and all. And then uh, there's Dracula in white. Dracula in white? That's what they call him. 
He visits all the time with his white coat on, or his radiation suit. Uh, Dr. Something White, a, a big wheel in science. Well, they don't like him one bit. You don't mean Exeter White? Dr. Exeter White? That's him. Do you know him? Of course I know him. He's been on today's world. He's a, he's a very big wheel indeed. I gave him a rough time in the interview. He's a fanatic about preparing for nuclear war. He's the only man in recent years to win two Nobel Prizes. One was for medicine in tissue culture and cancer research. The other was for physics for inventing a nuclear resonance device that shrinks cancerous tissue. Whatever would he have to do with prisons? Sam, there's only one thing for it. What's that? We'll have to break into prison. Just give your form to the screw there. When he sees it, it's blank, he'll know what to do. So the big boys have the screws in their pay. The big boys have everybody in their pay. Your business forms, please. Ah, I see. Why, hello, Sam. Hello, Mr. Preston. All right, are you? Very good, thanks. Uh, this way for you and the lady. But have a bit of a wait. Oh, it's quite roomy, miss. I'll put some clean blankets over there on the shelf for you. Good luck. Thanks, Mr. Preston. We're locked in. Oh, God, Sam, I'm glad you brought a torch. We might as well make ourselves comfortable. Somebody will come back after midnight and let us out. We'll not see him, and we're not to speak until we're well away from the main cell area. Uh, what? Yeah. Shh. Now, I've got a map and a copy of the master key. The factory room's not far, and once out of this cupboard, we've got to be absolutely quiet until we reach it. we can move about and talk freely and put the lights on. It's soundproof and there are no windows. That's better. What a strange place after the grey prison. Spotless. Glaring white tiles and shining stainless steel. Yeah. A broad production line table of steel rollers from a hatch in one wall to a, to a hatch in the other. A, a chain conveyor with, with hooks overhead. Halfway along, the rollers disappear into machinery, protected by heavy-duty policy. Lift up the flap, Sam. L let's see what's inside. Great knives in wheels, like a zodiac of sabres. It's like a car wash, Sam. Yeah. 
Look up there, great sprinklers for water. I reckon they have to hose the place down frequently enough. You'll hook up the carcass and roll it along to the canning machinery. So it must come out of this far wall, out of the hatch with a great padlock on it. Sam, we have to get into the room behind that hatch. No problem. Here's the door. With a radiation sign on it. None of the cons get further than this door. Not they want to. Open it, Sam. It's very like the outer room. A bit more complicated. A table of rollers again, leading from the padlocked hatch. Conveyor chain above with hooks. Must make a hell of a row in here when they're killing. No wonder the wing is soundproofed. Joanna? Yes, I know. The production line should start with a cattle pen. They drive the animals into a pen and stun them one by one. But there's no pen. The rollers only lead to a big machine built against the wall. The meat must come out of the machine. Look, I don't like those radiation signs. There are lockers over here. Radiation suits hanging up in them. Over here, showers and scrub rooms. Butchers wear white for their trade. I've never heard of them wearing white radiation suits. I'm getting into one now. Please do the same, Joanna. Think of the future generations. I'd really prefer lead underpants. I've found the control panel, Sam. No, Joanna! There's a switch here labelled Viewing of Culture Chamber. For God's sake, be careful! Let's view, shall we? Good, oh good, shut it, Joanna, shut it quick! What in God's name was it? Gleaming and speckled, gliding, rippling, rubbing against itself. Uh, uh, this switch says Production Hatch Control. prison, do we? Dr. Exeter White. As they say, we meet again. Dracula in white? It's a while since we met on your program, Miss Prim. I can't say that I enjoyed the experience. The world has honoured you, Dr. Exeter White. I thought then that your ideas were pernicious, and I still do. My opinion is confirmed by what I see now. Why, what's the harm, Miss Prim? I think that in the last resort, our country will thank me for what I have achieved here. I can't think that the public will approve of what you're doing here, Dr. Exeter White. Mm -hmm. And I intend telling them about it. Please be careful, Joanna. He's got two security men with him, and they look like killers to me. Oh, I hope you won't tell, Miss Prim. That would mean prison for you. This is an official secret. It would be treason to reveal it. Besides, I doubt whether you really understand what I'm doing for the sake of Britain among the British prisons. Official secret? Why, it's quite obvious from your work on radiation and cancer what you're doing here. You've taken human tissue from those unfortunate prisoners that have disappeared and you've irradiated it with your famous resonator in some manner that stimulates it instead of shrinking it. <laughs> stimulates its growth enormously in your machine and you're canning the cancer you've made and you plan to sell it off as food to offset prison costs. <laughs> oh, that's marvellous. Oh, that is simply wonderful. <laughs> what a mind you have, Joanna, canned cancer. Oh, dear, it's really very funny. You've created a world of terror out of your own television mind. 
mind. <laughs> Canned cancer. Isn't that rich, strange race, Cooper? <laughs> well, tell me then. Tell me what you're doing here so I can believe the evidence of my own eyes. Perhaps I'll laugh then. Well, in the first place, it has nothing to do with the disappearing prisoners. You have my word on that. I may believe you when I've heard the rest. And in the second place, it has nothing to do with human tissue, cancerous or otherwise. Use your eyes, your famous TV investigator eyes. Look again at what came out of the production hatch and now lies still on the rollers, ready for processing. Tell me what it really looks like. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure. Sam? Perhaps your ears will help your eyes. What does it sound like? Cooper, please turn on the activation switch again. Well, a great snake. A great muffled, killy snake. Thrusting and pouring its coils out of the resonator. Rearing up and hissing. Kissing like a scream. That's it, Joanna. You have it. Snake. We cultivate snake tissue here in enormous quantities. It turns out to be delicious, like very tender chicken. That's enough. We guillotine it in lengths and skin it and pass it out to the other room to be variously cut up and the bones removed before it is minced or sliced. And canned. It comes out alive, right? Yes, we cut it into sections, and the sections are alive, but weaken rapidly out of the machine. We electrocute them and crush the spine to make sure they're dead. Each section has a heart and liver and lights inside muscular ribs, but of course no head or loins. It's just torso. But otherwise a perfectly ordinary carcass, which has to be butchered in the usual way before canning. It's slightly radioactive as it emerges, but that wears off very quickly. Hence the radiation signs. I see. You make snake. <laughs> Continuous snake. Endless snake. That's it. <laughs> you have it. Endless snake. <laughs> <laughs> You see, there's nothing so terrible about it after all. Okay. Then why the official secret? Now, that is just the one unpleasant thing about the whole business. I knew there was a catch. If the bomb drops, if there is a nuclear holocaust, it is exceedingly likely that with the breakdown of all services, there will be a shortage of food and even a danger of cannibalism. To forestall this, the government are stockpiling enormous quantities of food in various underground depots all over the country. This must be kept secret, for if we started importing exceptional quantities of cattle meat, questions would be asked. But with my resonator, and with tissue culture, we can manufacture extraordinary quantities of delicious high-protein meat out of simple chemicals, at minimal cost and without attracting notice. Until you stepped in. But now you understand that there's no harm and uh, no cruelty in what I'm doing. It's all right again, isn't it? You're forgetting our confrontation on today's world. Oh, I bear no grudge. <laughs> I dare say. 
But I don't believe in preparing for the bomb. Mm, it's what we round about. I still hold to it. I don't believe that we should make it at all easier for people to accept the possibility of a nuclear war with shelters for privileged people and caches of food and a new beginning promised. It won't be like that. It'll be total desolation and the death of the world. So the bomb should not even be a possibility on people's minds. That's why I'm going to tell the public about your scheme, Official Secrets Act or not. I haven't signed any paper. I've not agreed to keep anything quiet. I'm going on television to tell it as it is. I must remind you that you have broken into the enclosed premises, the property of Her Majesty's home office. So, book me for breaking and entering. Then, sadly, you leave me no choice. No choice at all. Strangeways and Cooper will help. They're used to such little problems. Turn on the guillotine, Cooper. Strangeways! And then the mincer outside. Don't turn on the canning machinery. It's too noisy. <laughs> you can't disappear, me extra the wife. People know me. And you'll have to catch me, sir. Strange, strange red Cooper. Head her off. Don't take her over the outer door. She'll make up the whole prison. And all chance of secrecy is lost. But I've got the man. Ah, have you? Well, Sam, we can disappear you. and fling the doors wide so that the uproar fills the whole prison, fills all England with its noise. Here's the cannon switch. Stay Go back, please! He's got to the door! It's too late! Just a minute, young lady. I think you'd better come along with me. I have consented to hear this case in camera under the special regulations and without jury in the strictest security and with the exclusion of both public and press. Uh, this is because of the considerations of national security that are deeply entwined with the events of this prisoner's crime. It has been shown and to the satisfaction of this bench, that the prisoner, Joanna Mary Prim, has used her influential position in the public eye not only to commit murder, but also with the intention of forcing Her Majesty's government to make revelations of policy, not in the public interest. Fortunately, in the latter purpose, she has failed. Security in Dr. Exeter White's important scheme is unbreached. However, the prisoner succeeded in her other purpose, which was the cold-blooded killing of her blackmailer, the ex-convict and antique dealer Samuel Mellish. The defense alleges that the letters which show that Sam Mellish was blackmailing the defendant are forged. Expert testimony declares that they are genuine. Moreover, one of our most eminent scientists, Dr. Exeter White, a man of unimpeachable international reputation and a double Nobel Prize winner, has told us that he saw the deceased pushed into the meat-cutting machine by the prisoner. 
Dr. Exeter White's testimony is supported by the two security officers who were present also. I have no alternative but to accept the prosecution's case that the prisoner used her position in public life to gain access to meat-packing machinery where the disappearance of her friend would not be noticed and that she was, at one and the same time, planning to reveal the existence of secret food depots on television for the enhancement of her personal career. This is the opinion of my learned colleagues on the bench. Also, the crime is a double one, murder and treason. Prisoner of the Bar, have you anything to say before our sentence is passed? I have told you it's a lie. It's a put-up job. There is no way you can prevent me telling my story to the public. Fortunately, there is. I sentence you to two terms of jail to run consecutively. Twenty years for deliberate and premeditated murder and twenty years for actions damaging to the security of Her Majesty's realm. You're sentenced to be served incommunicado and in solitary confinement in a high-security prison. High-security? Escapes are not unknown. You may think you're walling me up in stone for 40 years, but governments fall. New governments declare amnesties on political prisoners. For that is what I am. Make no mistake. I'm still young and full of fight. Even if I'm an old woman when I come out, I can still tell my story. The world may well be at peace by then. And if it is, your story will signify little. But if it is still at loggerheads or at war, telling your story would be another act of treason for which you could be prosecuted to serve another term for as many times as would be necessary to silence you. There is no escape or amnesty for a criminal of your kind. Take her away. You will polish your cell twice a day and the corridor outside until it is shiny. You will fold the polishing cloth exactly into four with even margins. You will make an even number of strokes with the cleaning instrument to the left and to the right as you polish, thus left, right, calling out left, right as you do so. You will then rinse out the polishing cloth and leave it to dry properly folded. The water is turned off at 8.30am exactly. You will complete your ablutions, your cleaning of the cell and your polishing by then, or there will be withdrawal of privileges. What privileges? I have no privileges. There will be no books. No cocoa at night. Uh, Miss Spooner. Can you please have the light turned off at night? I can't sleep. Switching to the red nightlight is a privilege. I want darkness. I want darkness. Darkness is a privilege. Right. Left. Right. Left. Right. Left. Right. Left. Right. Friend, there's a visitor for you. A visitor? I'm not allowed visitors. Visits are a privilege. Dracula in white. You must be settling into prison if you call me by that name. How many others have you put into prison with your lies? Strange enough, Joanna, you are the only one. My friends will get you. They'll create a scandal. Your friends were grieving very beautifully at your funeral, Joanna. What? You were buried amid much sorrow last month. An unfortunate motorway accident speeding to the studio. Cooper and Strangeways enjoy arranging little accidents. <sighs> Everybody thinks you're dead, Joanna. <sighs> you think you've got me? Well, I have, haven't I? 
There is a way out. A way out? Where is your television reporter's curiosity? Don't you want the whole story? You mean the disappearing prisoners? It's what got you here in the first place. Now at least you can learn the answer. The governor's door will close on me and I'll never be heard of again. Is it some kind of invitation to self-execution? I tell you now, I'm not going to kill myself. No, no. It's much more of a gamble. You agree to submit to some experimental research. If it succeeds, you live. The authorities cancel your prison sentence, and because they no longer have to pay your bed and board, they give you a lump sum. You can invest the sum, or bequeath it, or simply spend it. The scheme's in its experimental phase, so the terms are generous. Later on, most people sent to prison may be offered similar terms, on a less generous scale, of course. It's a kind of redundancy scheme. <sighs> Made redundant by society. Exactly. You see, Joanna, I'm not an evil man. I was forced into those lies to protect my work. You can trust me. Now you understand what I'm doing. I haven't anybody else left to trust. And I do want to know. Can you tell me anything more about the program, Governor? I've told you as much as I can. Are the financial arrangements clear? Would you like to sign now? You'll be taken straight to Dr. Exeter White's clinic without going back to your cell. That suits me. I'll sign. Not painful. <laughs> We're still learning. The nuclear resonator has to be modified from time to time, but there never was any pain. It's your resonator that made the meat grow in the machine. Now, please don't be alarmed. <laughs> straps here a little tighter. <laughs> yes, my resonator, my one triumph, my one discovery. In my life, Joanna, I've only told one lie, and that was yours, and made only one discovery, and that will be yours too. You said that prison makes the prisoner old, and that's the real punishment. So old and tired. So many years to go. You have to serve your sentence, but why spend all those years doing it? My resonator will help you. You're not going to turn me into food. No, no, no. Always yourself, Joanna. Yourself. My resonator slows tissue growth down, and that cures cancer, or it can speed it up so that meat grows faster for food. But now I can speed up life and keep the human shape. I can speed people up. Speed them up? They, they live faster? Like speed drugs? Yes, and inside my resonator a person will age fast. So fast. Oh. Joanna, your terrible 40-year sentence. You will live that through in 40 seconds. I'll be old. Old. Yes, but still, Joanna. That, that old man, the, the vegetable in the bungalow, was he? Yes, he was the gold-stealing husband of the woman with the boyfriend, Ron. Not granddad at all. Oh. I hitched him. Vegetable. Yes. I'm afraid that the aging process undergone so fast can make the brain capillaries rather fragile, and there is the danger of a stroke. Uh, but it may not happen in your case, my dear. And you look distressed. Oh, distressed? 
Sounds distress the antiques. Yes, well, that can't be helped. You'll be a little bit of an antique yourself, my dear. <laughs> The enemies of our society are living at a rate far above the national average way. I wish we'd married off. There's radiation science, Joanna. Think of the future generations. Really Let's not worry about that now. Worry about that now. Worry about it. 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 Worry about it.
Fair enough. Uh, so you came across this and you listened to it and you liked it. I did. The trick, the plot, I mean, the whole twist of it totally worked on me uh, the first time. So it left me at the end going, what? Huh? <laughs> right. Why is there no information on this? Like the podcast you got it from, don't those people know anything about you know, it? Everything I found, it will list the credits and it will say Spine Killers, BBC Four, and that's all they'll say about it. Someone, I think it's just actually in the sort of gray middle ground of time. Of It's not something that people have gone back and researched relentlessly to archive, but it's not so modern either that it was Wikipedia the instant it was born. And it appears to have had a very short life, yeah. which might be part of it too. It seems to be just these five episodes. Just five, huh? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and there they originally written. It looks as though, if I were to speculate, that someone like I'm going to get together five good writers and do a sort of collection of people. I, uh, that was not the phrase I wanted to use. <laughs> a collection. Of we're going to get a collection. Uh, An so, anthology. Series? Thank you. That's the yes. That's how Soylent Green started. <laughs> <laughs> so. Is uh, the Dracula in White is an original? It's not based on a short story. Correct. It was, was original. That he wrote it for this. Let's delve into what we think of it now. Uh, obviously, already I get the sense that you brought this to us because you really like it. I, I certainly found it effective. I I may have yeah. some quibbles that I'll bring up, but I'll let you guys have your reactions I, first. I do like the twist, and that is one of my notes at the end. It it, it was a different story for a long time. And, and then it became a different story. <laughs> you know, it was like it was heading down this path. And I was like, oh, that's what this is about. And I had a moment where I had to say, do I like what they just did or am I mad at it? And I realized I like the twist. Uh, I really like the twist. I just didn't see the need for the number of red herrings before the twist. <laughs> and not red yeah. herrings. I mean, like well, the, that- clone snake herrings or whatever. <laughs> that was so bizarre and ultimately had no payoff for how much work they had to do to justify on audio a machine <laughs> that spat out endless giant snake. headless snake meat. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like if you're just sweating as a writer to make that come across in audio, it better be the main part of the story. <laughs> See, for me, that that's what made the twist work. Of By the time we got to the end, I'd completely forgotten about the <laughs> an- fake antiques dealer and everything. And I thought, yeah. this was a story about a snake machine. But I love the fake antique dealer because that then connected to the very end. Yeah. The whole idea of distressed antiques and then she suddenly a distressed prisoner uh, <laughs> they, they made did. to look old. So thematically, it worked really nice, and I think it would have been a much better 30-minute episode excising the snake clone meat segment and just kind of going down the line on all the kind of thematic 80s paranoia with nuclear stuff and uh, yep. overcrowded prisons. It just the, the snake thing just threw me for a loop. I had to rewind to even figure it out because they talked about there was a hissing it. sound, but then yep. they said it had no head, and it seemed a little confused. As, as I understand it, inside the machine there is a snake head that just keeps pouring out back end. That just it, <laughs> what? Okay, please explain. It's like an endless tube of snake. They just open up the machine and snake pours out. Yes. And one endless tube they just chop up. And they, they said, like, each chunk will have its own individual heart, and it's got its own whole set, just minus head and minus butt. Snake butt. 
<laughs> they just started the snake up one, and they cut the one butt off, and then it just keeps going. <laughs> it's like they snipping the end of a cigar. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> they led us to believe very uh, easily that, oh, prisoners are disappearing. They're obviously turning them into meat. Yes. So I, in my notes, I wrote uh, that I was very appreciative of that that wasn't what it was because if it was, that was like, well, of course, you basically told us that in the first yeah. few minutes and I found myself saying, please don't be that. I was, I, the whole time I was like, please let it be fake snake meat. Please <laughs> let it. And I was like, yes! <laughs> but I was happy that it wasn't where it seemed to be heading and that there was a twist. I mean, it might be that snake was a prisoner as well. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he had done some uh, misdemeanors. Misdemeanors. Uh, Misdemeanors. <laughs> I'm not proud. Um, so let's talk about a couple of things that I'm not sure if I love or... The hum of the machine is an exact foley, an exact replica, or the exact sound that was used many times in the Land of the Lost TV show. Uh, nope, neither one of you watched that. No, I did. I don't remember the sound effects from it. Oh, it's a pretty generic sci-fi, yeah. late 70s, early 80s yep. sound. Yes, it is. And it was generic in this. Absolutely. The mad scientist doctor says um, to Joanna, look, look, and you can see what I'm doing. What do your eyes tell you? And she's like, I don't see what it is. And he goes, then listen. And I'm like, ooh, they're going to do some cool audio thing. <laughs> listen. Then it is just, and then from that she goes, "It's a snake, a hissing snake," and she adds all this information that I didn't hear anywhere in the. They sound did mix. add the. Is it, it's gave very it a second subtle. listen. Okay, and they did add it. <laughs> I mean, so that's pretty compelling. <laughs> you sure it wasn't just like the sound guy was smoking while he was recording it? So it's just like. <laughs> Just got in the mix somehow because it was really subtle. And back then, you were allowed to smoke in studio. Yeah. Uh, here's my favorite part of the whole thing, though. This is why, no matter where we end up when we get to the end of this discussion, I'm going to tell you that I am really appreciative and love that you brought this, Tim, for this one reason. They came up with this plan to retrieve scarabs by feeding them to turkeys. <laughs> And then getting the scarabs out of the turkey poop because they fed them to turkey sea and then they would distress them in their own intestinal system. And that's how this antique dealer made the scarabs. That's not only incredibly complicated. B, how did you figure out that that would happen if you fed scarab items to uh, turkeys? And three, they offered turkey farming as a class in prison. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really uh, solid uh, skill set to have when you get out. It... <laughs> anyway, I guess I'm alone. I thought that was pretty weird. I was trying to think it through. Well, the turkeys have a gizzard, so that would wear it down a braid the scarab. So would a metal brush. <laughs> There's got to be an easier way to distress something than... And then how did you figure that out? In the turkey farming class in prison? It, it was really weird, and maybe there's some cultural thing I'm missing. Maybe, you know, in England they teach prisoners farming. Maybe that's a typical thing. He You're... figured out this master plan 
that was really complicated. He could have just, he should have just been a barista or something, man. He could just get a job. <laughs> they clearly got out of prison, looked at what skills they learned, and figured out how to criminalize them as quickly as possible. I don't think he took the classes in prison for the purpose I of I don't believe you. This. I think this was the master plan. <laughs> yeah. I'm... Bill, what you're going to do is you're going to learn welding. <laughs> you're going to learn accounting. I'm going to learn turkey farming. We're going to make a million dollars distressing scarabs, see? I think Eric points to, to a real problem in, in this script <laughs> in that there is a lot of detail, and I usually like that, but it makes you think everything's really important, right? Yes, yes. And things that aren't. And I don't know how much of that is just a, a story that this guy might have had that was a 30-minute story or 25-minute story that they're trying to expand to... 45 minutes but yeah some of the detail in that opening antique scene which i really i really like the character of sam i kind of like the the friendliness between joanna and him and that he had been some sort of a news source for her and so there was it was nice character development but it just kept going <laughs> well when we got to the point of how he was ripping people off by putting fake diaries and bureaus yeah it's a great plan, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I, I was very thankful for that information because I, I think that's genius, but it had nothing to do with the story. And, and you know, in all fairness, Tim brought this story that he really liked. <laughs> just ripping on it, and I actually really enjoyed listening to it, and I really enjoyed the end. I think the end yeah. was so good, it retroactively made everything that I found odd or distracting about it more odd and distracting like why couldn't you start with this awesome and just backfill awesome because <laughs> the idea of aging prisoners to meet their prison term in a heartbeat to save money is a fantastic evil it's, plot it is it's a fantastic idea i mean it's not I, a I terrible it's a, idea <laughs> it's a great idea if we could do it i'd be all for it we have discussed amongst ourselves of how we enjoy things differently <laughs> And this is totally the sort of thing I enjoy. Like, even the, the snake thing, it's like a funhouse to me, but just going through the story, what is that? <laughs> That's a crazy. Right. That doesn't work. Let's have more of that. Yes. <laughs> um, and then at the end, like, oh, there was a whole point to the whole thing. Yeah, in some ways, you're just impressed that it came yes. together at all. Yeah, it was work. Yeah. <laughs> Then she ends up in prison and, you know, much different than the beginning story of I'm a reporter with a show and I'm going to expose what's happening to these missing prisoners. It, it really, I like where it ended up. I didn't see that coming. And like Joshua said, I think the last 10 minutes of that whole thing are extraordinary and really fun and really interesting. It just... It took a long time to get there. <laughs> but yes, but at the same time, I am with Tim and that I am happy that I experienced the, the snake, snake machine. butt machine. <laughs> <laughs> is it true that there is such a thing as aging wine with some kind of a pulse? They made it sound so like, okay, we all, this is actually true. There is so much matter of fact about it. I don't know enough about wine to say I that's don't true, either. but there are a lot of ways that people try to get around the aging process of all sorts of booze. Yeah. Aging it in smaller casks, so you, you can age it shorter, but it still tastes just as aged as something in a big barrel or cask. So whether or not they actually have tried using sonic devices, I don't know, but it felt authentic right. to me. Right. We That's can do it right I... now. <laughs> <laughs> we have a sonic like device would... right here. Ooh, my butt. <laughs> like I would even notice. <laughs> that wine is now aged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> How drunk am I? That's that's but what again, I again, I honestly thought they took so much time explaining that sonic device, then had a sound effect for it and everything. I thought it was going to be an important plot point. Like mm-hmm. they were gonna use it, you know, against somebody or it was gonna be used against them. It was more of a thematic uh, yes. device, is what it turned out to be. Here's an interesting thing, I don't know if you picked up on it. Uh as far as uh, there's no music. I did not pick that up. None. And I found that really interesting. They did that whole thing without any music, not even an intro, with some kind of organ or anything. I've noticed, though, Fear on 4 uses very little Fear on 4 uses very little. I, I yeah. wonder if it's a British thing that Americans oh, use more, used more music within their radio shows. Um, well, I, no, they, they keep like radio plays, and it, they, it gets treated much more as a just audio version of theater. I can't decide if it would have helped it, if it would have made it... It would, certainly would have made it sound a lot different. Of course it would. But there were moments where I thought, boy, a nice sting right there, maybe. But It was so weird. I think if you added music to it, too, if you had... Well, it depends on what music. Like, yeah. if you added, like, you know, the trolley song from Mr. Rogers, that'd be... <laughs> that would not work. <laughs> <laughs> or would it? <laughs> oh. Don't you poo-poo my great music idea. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting, though, Like not to hear music. We're so used to being told what mood and what's happening and even being foretold what's coming. The music helps us to realize that it's an artificial thing, and so the lack of music can sometimes add to the realism and suspense. I'm a little troubled by the very, very last note of the whole thing, that her ultimate, this is the worst because of the children she didn't have. It's on my list. I didn't understand the final montage. Are we hearing her life as things that would have happened? Is that what we're hearing all those people say? They're saying things things that were said over the course. They were? Those were things from the broadcast? Yep. (laughs) How quickly you forget it, right? (laughs) Well, 44 minutes is a long time. It is. Well, yeah. You know what? I was thinking at the end, this this show could have used some snakes. (laughs) Not a whole snake. So those were actual... Okay, so it wasn't... All right, so that clears that up. But then she was upset, so you just answered that question for me, that she now doesn't get to have children. Yeah. It didn't bother me. Are are you saying it from an angle of like, oh, that would be a woman's only concern is children? You mean it from a... Sort of. uh, And just like that is the worst thing that is happening right now is that I'm losing my opportunity to have kids. Which I don't want to dismiss that, like, if someone wants to have kids and they just suddenly have that taken from them, yes, that's yeah. terrible. They took pains to set up that she told Toby, uh, the government guy, that she had plenty of time. Yes. So she sounded like she wanted to have children. It was a legitimate want of this individual person, not all women. Um, but it is a biological thing. <laughs> but well, you, you know what I mean? And, and it so might it was be set up. But I'm a so guy who doesn't have kids. <laughs> yes, <you're> like, <laughs> that, like, there's other things to me that would be much worse about being aged 40 years all of a sudden. Like, what would you miss, Tim? <laughs> Tim, you're the kind of guy that was like 70 at the age of 50. Yeah, that's true. But what about my nap time? No, that'd be fine. <laughs> Wait, what about sitting around watching TV? Nope. <laughs> sign me up for this thing. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Um, When they got into the prison, which I got kind of confused by, but apparently they had some inside contact that snuck them into a broom closet. And then when everybody went to sleep, they got to go into the main factory where they don't have any guards. Sam was 
hooked up with the actual like bigger criminals who right. operate within a prison system. Yeah. At one point, they heard someone playing music. And they said, oh, someone's coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what song that was? Anybody? I'm trying to remember. I, it did stand out to me. I can't remember what it, it is. It stood now. out to me, and I went back and listened. Oh, my God. It's a cover of The Boxer by yes, Simon right. and Garfunkel. Lie, la, lie. Lie, la, lie, 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 lie. I think, again, the only music. The, uh, they put guy. that under the entire thing. Can you imagine that snake just pouring out of that machine? To... La la la. La 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 la. Here comes the snake. Anyway. Uh, I also liked that we were assured over and over again that this snake was delicious. <laughs> He had some professional pride. Yeah. We were assured. Uh, well, I'm sure people eat snake, right? I was in sure. some restaurant and they offered me rattlesnake about five years ago. I didn't try it, but apparently it's a thing. There's a place around here that does snake hot dogs. <laughs> Sorry. It's true. Around here? Yeah. Not in my neighborhood. <laughs> All right, who is... Okay, again, I'm so sorry I got so lost sometimes in here, but who is the goat-stealing husband of the woman with the boyfriend, Ron, who became a vegetable? I missed... Well, she goes to visit the um, relatives of inmates who've received money or have gotten these nice houses to ask questions, and while she's there, uh, Joanna, uh, we, we find out from the spouse of the former inmate that she's taking care of her grandfather. It's a throwaway line. Again, right. the problem in the script often is he's trying to be subtle with one or two things, and then meanwhile, there's just bizarre, crazy <laughs> things that get all your attention that aren't important. Right. But meanwhile, the small important things are really buried. I could not remember who the goat-stealing husband... I was like, what? I didn't catch any of that. And again, I think you're right. I think there's too many details going on and things to try to keep track of when the bottom line is they're killing people. No, they're not. It's Snake Machine. Now you have to go to jail and now we're going to age you. That's, that's it. Awesome. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, that's that's your synopsis for you. Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, anybody? That's pretty much uh, everything off my chest. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it, despite everything I just said. <laughs> the, uh, the author is actually uh, uh, in his small Wikipedia page. That's not that small. I don't know why I'm judging his Wikipedia page. But he is uh, notably... Have you seen yours? <laughs> notably a poet. Oh. Um, so it might, might have contributed to his uh, penchant for working on imagery and striking sorts of ideas like that, more so than does this all hang together and make total sense throughout... And how it all rhymed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that final verdicts. I don't know. You go first. I'm still thinking. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know that it is any sort of classic or that I would ever listen to it again. Uh, I do think it's historically interesting and culturally interesting being uh, British. Uh, like you said, the lack of music, the 80s nuclear war fear uh, that is all throughout it and um, Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> so again I found it highly entertaining without really being able to um, highly recommend it at the same time <laughs> uh, I think I liked it a little bit more than that I would certainly not say it's a classic but I think it holds up even after 30 years uh, 
largely for I thought it was a really interesting, innovative idea, aging prisoners out of prisons, uh, and presented in a especially with that opening scene of the the antiques presented in a really artistically satisfying way. Remember the movie Food of the Gods, 1976? <laughs> no? That's going to take a while, isn't it? <laughs> it reminded me of that movie, and if you are listening, which you are, because if you heard that, you're listening, and you know that movie, then you know exactly what I'm saying. It's, it's some kind of thing that uh, makes things either bigger or smaller or ages them or whatever, and there was giant rats, and it was kind of hokey, and <laughs> and it wasn't really done that well. Although that was based on an H.G. Wells uh, novel, uh, Food of the Gods. But anyway. Oh, that guy's got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> a big one. <laughs> I think Tim hit it for me. I There are some really great concepts here that uh, I would have liked to have seen this uh, divided up into the four stories that it actually was, maybe. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, I, I enjoyed a lot of it. In fact, I am going to feed things to turkeys, put some nickels in them, and get some buffalo head nickels on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's not how it works. Oh, well, I'm going to go to prison and find out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, uh, Tim. What uh, what should they do now? Hey, folks, please go to ghoulishdelights.com. That's where you'll find other episodes of this podcast, and you'll also find information about other things we do. Sometimes we go out in the world and perform live versions of classic old radio scripts. Probably not this one, um, but <laughs> but other ones that we do call classics. You can also go to iTunes and write us a little review. We love reviews. Just um, make it coherent. <laughs> you know, use some poetic language, but also make it rhyme. Make it rhyme. <laughs> All right, uh, who's got the next one? That would be me. Next time, we will be listening to an episode of Lights Out called Revolt of the Worms. Until then... That's it, Joanna. You have it, snake. We cultivate snake tissue here in enormous quantities. It turns out to be delicious, like very tender chicken.